Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired Jesus that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. Just called her out. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster box of ointment. You see, being the sinner is not the worst part. The worst part is no response when Jesus is in the house. I could be a sinner, but how am I going to respond when I know that Jesus is there? She stood at his feet behind him. Somebody say behind him. Weeping. Began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, he would have known who, what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence, the other 50. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. So tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? And Simon answered, I, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with tears, wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gave me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil you did not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. You see, how you respond in the presence of Jesus can get some things done. Life can be changed forever in his presence. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody hearing what I'm saying right now? This ain't just a, lady, uh, a message for the ladies in the house. This goes for men as well. How we respond in the presence of the Savior, of the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, can change our life forever. I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this? that forgiveth sins also. And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Today I want to preach for a few moments on this thought. Behind his back. Behind his back. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you today and honor you in this house. And we're so thankful, God, for what you can do with a life that seems used up or worthless or useless, God, that Lord, there's so many things that you can do in our life today. Now let us hear the word. And let it bring forth faith. And let us respond accordingly, God. 
while we're here in your presence, Lord, let us honor you and worship you and love you. And Lord, let our lives be the better for it. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise before you're seated. Hallelujah. Give him a shout. Hallelujah. Lift up a voice of praise. Hallelujah. God bless you. You can be seated. Oh, thank you, Jesus. She is a sinner. It was well reported in the city. There's one thing about this passage I know that it relates and lines up with another similar story in Scripture. But in this passage, Luke left her unnamed. She was unnamed. She was uninvited. She was unwelcome. But she was not unloved. Sometimes you may feel like a no-name. You might feel unwelcome in his presence. You may even feel uninvited in his presence. But I can promise you, you'll never be unloved. And God help us as the church, as those of us who say we have Jesus in our house, ever make anybody feel unwelcome or uninvited. (laughs) Come on, Because when they get here, God can do something miraculous. It doesn't matter what we know or don't know about them. We may even know hmm, they're a sinner. But weren't we? Or aren't we? Come on. (laughs) We should never be looking down our nose or wrinkling up our snout or rolling our eyes at the way someone who we think is it worthy to be here responds to the presence of Jesus. Come on, somebody. I don't care if they stumble in here with alcohol on their breath and fall down in the altar at his feet. Come on, I don't care if they come in here high as a kite. You say, well, they can't really understand what's going on. There was a man that had a legion of devils. And when Jesus stepped into his presence... He pushed them devils aside and ran and fell down at the feet of Jesus, and he began to worship. How you respond with your dilemma in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, it can determine how you walk out. I can promise you this. The man that had all the devils, he was better for it. Because at the end of that story, he was sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And this woman, at the end of her story, was better for it. Was it uncomfortable for her? I'm sure it was. She knew her reputation, and she knew the reputation she held among people. Most likely, normally, when it would refer to a woman in the Scripture that was a sinner, it meant that there was some kind of immorality in her life. Now, what that was, I don't know. I don't care. It simply said she was a sinner. But all have sinned and come short. That's a very important scripture. All have sinned and come short of the glory. I want you to remember that, that glory for a second, okay? Because we're going to talk about that in a minute. She did not have Jesus. I don't know that she really knew Jesus. But she heard of Jesus. And she knew he was in the house. 
She needed something outside of the life that she was living. She needed something different than who she was. What she was doing was not satisfying her needs anymore. She was unnamed. And I think maybe Luke left her unnamed for a reason so that we could maybe insert our name into this story. Because it applies to us all. Do you remember being desperate for a change? I need something. Searching high and low, near and far, everywhere for something to fix, to feel, to make right, to make better. And after all of her wanderings, she hears that Jesus is in this house. It's not a place she would normally go. She knew what they thought of her, and she knew who she was, and she knew what she was. But she knew that something had to change. I cannot go on living like this. Uh, I, I, I've got to find some hope. I've got to have some peace in my life. I, I need to find a love, a love that won't disappoint me, a love that won't leave me, a love that won't hurt me. I need to find a love in a world that only offers temporary fixes. She was so determined that she was willing to interrupt Jesus and his meal. She was willing to break up and bust up this party. She was willing to crash this dinner because she said, I've got to have something different. We need to stop being so polite about getting fixed. <laughs> we need to stop worrying so much about how we look when we know we're about to die. When we know that nothing else is working. It's time to stop all the pleasantries. Oh, excuse me, may I step in here? And it's time for somebody to break their way into a place that's uncomfortable. So that they can get to where the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is at. It's time for somebody that realizes I got to have this need met. That you would just begin to cry out. Make a scene if you have to. I wonder if I got anybody that's got a little Bartimaeus in them that would say, I'm going to keep crying out, oh, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Let me tell you, if you're having a heart attack, you don't go into the emergency room and, and go, excuse me. If there's five people in front of you, you're going to be knocking somebody out of the way going, I'm dying. Something's wrong with my heart. You're not going to be like, oh, I'll take a number. Running, you want to be number one. And I wish that people could get as desperate about getting their soul fixed and about getting their heart right with Jesus as they would about getting rid of a headache or, or fixing something that's wrong in their natural body. I wish we would realize that sin, we don't need to let it be a silent killer, but we need to be breaking forth and breaking through and touching the hem of his garment and, and shaking him up and weeping at his feet. We need to be doing something. Because how we react in the presence of him, if you know what you are, you better believe he knows what you are. And she didn't sneak up on him. 
I'm sure she thought that was the case. We do that. We've all been there. I'll just come in quietly behind and I'll just, I'll just sneak up behind him. And, uh, you know, because I, but maybe she was ashamed of who she was. Maybe she, she knew she was unwelcomed and she was trying not to, you know, I, I'm just going to come in behind him right here, real low out of everybody's line of sight. And, but boy, she was weeping and she was crying and she knew she was a sinner and that's all right. She was uninvited and unwelcomed by the crowd, but Jesus welcomed her. It said she took this alabaster box of ointment, a precious box of ointment, but she was more valuable than the ointment. You don't know how valuable you are to him, how much he loves you. Romans 5 and 8 says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while, while. While, while I'm still trying to break this addiction, while I'm still struggling with these things, and while I'm still doing some of the stuff I used to do, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. She did not say, oh, he's there. Let me get straightened up. Let me get my life right. And then I can go in before him. How you doing, Jesus? I'm pleased to meet you. Oh, could I schedule an appointment to talk with you? Oh, no. She knew what she was. And she knew what was on her. And she knew what was in her. And she knew that she had to touch Jesus. And she came in when she knew he was there. She came in behind him, humble. She came in weeping. She came in offering up all she had because whatever she had would be worth it all. I'll give up anything I've got. I'll humiliate myself. I'll embarrass myself. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I know people's talking about me. Maybe some of them kicked her when she went by their table. Get out of here. You're not welcome here. But she said, I'm going to get to where he's at. I don't think it was just a little old silent tears, but I, begin, I believe, oh, because we felt that. We know what it's like to get into the presence of the king and begin to weep and, and begin to cry. And, and you, you're trying to catch your breath and, and you, man, everything's flowing and she's a mess. Her hair's all down because she's wiping his feet with her hair. She's giving him glory. The Bible says that a woman's hair is given to her for glory. And, and, and though, even though, hey, all women, saint or sinner, the hair was put on top of her head for her glory. And she said, I know I don't have much, but I'm going to give him glory. She began to weep on him and tears began to fall. And she began to wipe his feet and she began to react to him and, and for some reason Jesus said she reacted in love because he loved her because we can't love him first he loved us first no matter where you are or what you have done I'm telling you today you mean something to Jesus and other people may not see it but he does and he sees your worth he sees what he can do with you. He sees how he can change your 
life. He knows what he can do for you. So she comes in behind him. That's important. Again, was she afraid of being rejected? So maybe she's timid. Maybe she's been hurt so many times before. She's trying to come in humbly. She's ashamed of what she's done or who she is. Trying to stay hid from the crowd. And that's the way we feel. I just want to stay hid. But the Bible says I got to confess. I got to open up. We despise ourselves in his presence. We feel unworthy. And we try to stay behind. But that is not where Jesus wants you to stay. We may enter in that way. But there's a change of location coming. It has to. If the scripture's right, it has to. You can't stay where your sin resides. What are you saying, preacher? Isaiah 38 and 17, Hezekiah wrote these words. Behold, for peace I had great bitterness. But you, Lord, have in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. You can't stay where he cast your sin. You can't stay. That behind him is where the sin stays. You hear what I'm saying? It's behind him is where he throws your problems, your addictions, your cares, all the chains he broke off, all the prison doors he ripped off. That's, that's where all that stuff goes. All that shame, all that condemnation, all that guilt. Friend, it goes right there behind his back. He throws it all behind his back. And you and I can't stay there. There's got to be a change of location. In verse 20 of Isaiah 38, it says, The Lord was ready to save me. I need you to say that out loud and to yourself right now. The Lord was ready to save me. And now that you're here today and we're in the present, you can say, the Lord is ready to save me. How am I going to respond in the presence of the Savior? How am I going to respond in the presence of the Lamb of God? John stopped what he was doing and said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He stopped what he, nothing I'm doing right now is as important as him walking in right now. Friend, nothing is as important as you being in the presence of the King today. But how will we react? Because I can tell you by the word, the Lord is ready to save. And he was ready to save that woman. Do you think he didn't know that when he went to Simon's house that in just a few moments she'd come creeping in the back door sneaking up behind him he knew all about her and he loved her and he was ready to save her if she could respond to him if she could come to him the bible says that, that god doesn't hear the prayers of sinners but if any man be a worshiper oh and i'll tell you you can worship before he ever said your faith has saved thee, she was worshiping. Hey, before them devils ever got out of that man, he was worshiping. 
Because once you realize he's what you need, you can begin worshiping before you ever get made whole. Don't ever think you got to be perfect in wearing white linen to throw up your hands and say glory to God. Uh, honey, you can come in with pig stains and, and mud on your garment. Uh, oh, and shoes off your feet saying, Woo, uh, forgive me. Uh, Father, forgive me. Have mercy on me. Uh, I'm not worthy to be your son, but he'll change your mind. How will you respond in his presence? Oh, that's not where he wants you to stay behind him. Uh, listen, in the Old Testament, Moses said, God, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I'm going to put you in this little hole in the rock right here. And I'm going to pass by. But I'm going to cover you with my hand. But after I get past you, I'll move my hand. And you'll be able to see my hinder parts. You'll be able to see the back of me as I go away. Because you can't see my face, which is his glory, and live. You can't see that glory and be the same. And Moses, this time that you're in, it's not time for that glory yet. But John wrote that... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His, God's glory, as the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Oh, I'm glad we live in a time in, uh, where we can see the glory. See, Jesus is about to change this woman's. Woo! Jesus is about to change something in this woman's life. You hear what I'm saying? Because she's uh, back there where, where Moses had to stand. She's back there where all the sin had to stay. She's back there. But he said, no, I come here for something different. I come here to, to, to change some things. And, and I want you to hear what he said now and, and see if you catch it. He's talking to Simon. He recites a parable. He's, talk, he's looking at Simon. Okay, Simon, I'm in your house. I'm talking to you. This guy had so much to pay. This guy had so much to pay, but the one that had the most to pay. Who do who you think loved him the most? Well, I guess the one that, that he was forgiven the most debt. And they said, that's right, you've rightly judged. And he said, in verse 44 of St. Luke 7, he said, and he turned to the woman. Now, I'm just going to show you something. Come here. I'm going, to borrow, I'm going to borrow your wife for a second. You stand right there. Now Jesus is talking to Simon. And she's behind him. And she's weeping. And she's crying. Because she knows everything about her life. And so does he. And after he gets through dealing with Simon. Because he, he said, Simon. I need you to see this woman the way I see her. And it says, and he turned to the woman. Now she's no longer behind him. He's changed to where she can see his glory. And he begins to let her know, I've seen how you reacted. You can be seated, darling. He said, Simon, do you see this woman? Not do you just know that she's here and you despise her and you're judging her, but do you see her? Do you see her the way I see her? 
Do, do you see the way she has loved me? How she has washed my feet. How she has washed them with tears and the hairs of her head. And she's anointed me. How she has loved me. Have you seen the way? Even though she knows who she is, have you seen the way she's reacted? Do you see her, Simon, with mercy and compassion? Do you see their worship? Do you see their offering? Do you see their humility? Or do you just see their sin? You know what happened? When he turned to the woman, he put Simon in her place. God help us when the sinner loves more than the saint. He said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered into your house, but you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with tears, wiped them with the hairs of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil you did not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. And not only, you know, I'm, and I'm going to just step in here because I know this is what Jesus knew. Because we know it through reading the story. Not only was he judging her, but now he's judging God for his response to her. That he would let this woman touch him. That he would let her do such a display, such an inappropriate display of adoration toward him knowing who she is. God put Simon in her place. He said, wherefore I say unto thee, get it now, here it goes, because here where it happened, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. She was standing in front of him and she was looking at his face. She was looking at the glory. The Lord told Moses, you can't see my glory. You can't see that and live. You'll, you'll be different. You'll die. Something dies in us when we see the glory of God. That old sinful man begins to die when we see the glory of God. Those old sinful ways begin to die when we get into the presence of Him. Because we don't come in behind His back, but we come in. Oh, we might think we're sneaking in behind it, but He's going to turn around and say, I see you. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Come on there. He's looking. He's, he's listening to your prayers. And, and what I'm trying to figure out is... is are we going to let him, are we going to stay behind his back where he longs to put all of our faults? Are we going to behold his face and see his glory? Because Jesus saw and Jesus knew and Jesus loved and Jesus forgave. And you better know it's, it's the same with you and me today. He knows you, he sees you, he loves you, and he will forgive you. Come on. I don't want to ever, hey, and it ain't a contest, I know, but whew, it's an indictment to the saints and to the church and to those of us that say we've got Jesus in the house. If the sinner outworships us, if the sinner outloves us, we should be showing that love. If 
I don't know why Simon had Jesus there, but evidently it wasn't to fix nobody, but maybe just to boost his reputation. And there's a lot of people want to talk about we got Jesus to boost their reputation. But I like to tell people we got Jesus here so you can be better. And you can be changed. And so we can make it to heaven together. And so you can feel the love of God. Oh, I'm not here to get a reputation. Unless it's a reputation of loving people like Jesus loved people. And seeing them the way he sees people. I don't want to be, I don't want to be messed up. Caught up in myself. Wrinkling my nose. Wondering how can somebody come in with all that baggage and throw their hands up and worship God. I remember how I looked when I came in the church. The residue of an old mohawk. Big long lightning bolt or big gold hoop hanging off the side of my head. and I just used to shake it to see if anybody would say something about it. I wanted somebody to point it out, and I could say, uh-huh, they're a bunch of hypocrites, and they don't, they're going to judge me, and I can walk out of here, and I'll be justified in walking out. And, you know, then people would just hug my neck and say, man, we love you. We're so glad you're here. And I'm like, but you don't see this. <laughs> they didn't even act like they did. And I'd, try to, I'd come in, you know, and I just, I, I couldn't get over it. I felt, because, man, I mean, I was trying, I, I come in trying to run. I, oh, I was trying to run, but, but I kept coming back. And every time I'd come back, the love of God just kept staring me in the face. I know who you are. I'm glad you're here. I don't care what you've done. I've got plans for you. What are you going to do? How are you going to act now? How are you going to change? What, what are you going to do? And I'm going to tell you, I felt like I came in behind his back, but, but he turned to me. And he can change you just by turning to you. Because now what you see is different. You can see those eyes. You can see that face. You can see the glory. Because we beheld the glory of God. And now you know who you serve. Oh, you can't stay the same in his presence, in his glory. Oh, in Romans 8 and 1, it says, There's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. He'll take that shame away. He'll move that stuff away from you when you'll come to him. Jesus begins to explain to this woman what's about to happen. But he needs her in front of him. I need you in front of me so I can put your life of sin behind me. I got to put that stuff behind me. Now, we always say, well, I'm going I'm to put this life behind me, but no, put it behind him. You know, you know, if we stay behind him, it comes all about what we've done. But we can't change ourselves. We have to be in Christ. We'll never be a new creature by ourselves. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. So he turns to her and then talks to Simon. But then he tells her, Thy sins are forgiven. For she loved much. But then he, he lets Simon know, But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said, Your sins are forgiven. At that point, they are behind his back. And everyone said, Who is this that forgives sins also? 
I hope some of us have a word or a name that we can give them. It's Jesus. But he told the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You're different. You're changed. Your reaction, your humility, because you believed, because you, when you knew what it would take to come in here, your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. And honey, you can come to the music this morning. In John chapter 8, verse 36, it says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. This woman was free. It didn't matter at that point what anybody thought. They said, she's only been in here for a couple of minutes. She's the same woman. Maybe in your eyes, but not to the Lord. She came in behind him, but he turned to her. I'm telling you today, Jesus is ready to save. He's ready to move you from behind him to in front of him. He's ready to move you and leave that sin behind and it won't matter what anybody else thinks about it her word was from Jesus you're forgiven they might have been somebody whispered at her as she went out the door you the same old hussy that come in here you that same old sinner woman and she could walk out in peace saying, Nuh-uh. I've seen his glory. I've heard his word. I'm forgiven. My faith has saved me. But the only way that happens is if Jesus sets you free. Let's stand together this morning. Oh, You know, if church was enough, if just us gathering and, and, and listening to great singing and music and, and dancing and shouting was enough, everybody would be here. And if that was enough, there'd be no need for Calvary, any of those things. We could just go on living the life we live and come in and Shout a little bit on Sunday and everything be alright, but sin's got to be dealt with and a change has got to happen. Paul said in Romans 4 and 7, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. It's got to be dealt with. We've got to take care of that issue. And today, the Lord is here and ready to save. And if you feel like you have been, even though you've been in the same house where he's at, you, you've been behind him. You hadn't, you hadn't let him just turn to you yet. You hadn't, you hadn't let him speak to you yet. You haven't really gotten in touch with him yet. This is your day. Because he's here. And the presence of the Lord is in this house. And, and how you and I 
me as well. How I respond in these next few moments as we give a, a, a call to prayer in this altar. How we respond can determine how we leave. It can determine, you know, that people who have been serving God for 40 or 50 years, it started with one trip to the altar. There was a starting point. Oh, there was many trips made back, but it started with that first time. And they found this is a process you want to repeat so you can keep going with God.